All right, on our study of angels, we're going to continue in our book. Uh, this is by Brother Myers. I also have a book that Gentry allowed me to use, and I appreciate that. I've been reading both sources, and uh, this book that Gentry shared is by Curtis, Curtis Manor. It has a lot of good scriptures in it as well. We've been talking about angels, and I just wanted to go back and review uh, at the beginning of our class, there were several questions that were asked, and so systematic we're going through and answering these questions about angels. And by the way, if you have additional questions that are not yet answered or m- want to make sure we address those, just let me know, and um, we can write those down. But here's some, some quick things that we discussed the first night. I think somebody mentioned, uh, are there angels in hell? Uh, or angels are fallen angels in hell. Can angels change form? Um, what about the burning bush? Was that an angel? Do humans become angels after they die? Was a question. Uh, were angels part of um, the large population? I think that goes back to Genesis, where it mentions the sons of God and married the daughters of men. Um, we'll be talking about that more later. Uh, what are the rankings or forms of angels? What different forms do they take, and are there ranks? Uh, There was a question about Balaam and the donkey. The donkey saw the angel, but Balaam didn't. Why is that? Why can angels be seen sometimes and not seen other times? And then um, there was a question, I think, about Zechariah when when the angel uh, visited him. And uh, sometimes it's, it's obvious when an angel is around. It's not always obvious, though. Sometimes we entertain angels unaware. So a lot of interesting things about angels. One of the things that I'm, I'm noticing as I study is I'm learning a lot about the nature of God when I study the role of angels and how they serve the Lord and submit to his authority and do his bidding. And so the last couple of weeks we had been talking about angelic visitation. And uh, we looked at some, some examples in the Old Testament. Let me flip back real quick. Angelic visitations in the Old Testament. Uh, we we looked at the angel that visited uh, Abram, and then the two angels that went on to Sodom and Gomorrah. That's a very interesting story because we see three men. One was the Lord, and the other two were probably angels. They all looked like men. They ate food. They traveled. They walked, and then the two angels later uh, announced to 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 Lot about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Then we, on August 3rd, we looked at the angel who led Israel in the cloud, uh, Exodus 14, 23, and Exodus 32. The angel had an active role in the crossing of the Red Sea and how he basically went to the back of the, of the crowd and separated the, the uh, Israelites from, from the army of Egypt. We then looked at uh, the angel that was present and saved Elisha in Second Kings. You may recall where Elisha prayed, uh, open up my servant's eyes, and then he saw the chariots of fire, which leads us to understand that angels can take many forms. They can take the form of wind. They can take the form of uh, fire. They can take the, the form of chariots. And, uh, and so it was a real interesting story in Second Kings 6. Then we talked briefly about um, the birth announcements. We, we looked last week at Elizabeth and Zacharias, Joseph and then Mary, 
and we looked at those passages. We know that in Mary's case, the angel that came to see her was, who can remember? What was the angel who visited Mary? Gabriel, very good. So Gabriel, um, as we begin to study more about angels and angelic um, orders, we're going to see that Gabriel is one of the, the highest angels, maybe even an archangel. Tonight, just quickly, I want to look at two passages in angelic visitation, and then I'm going to shift to uh, our, the rest of our lesson where we look at the origin of angels. That's something a lot of people ask about. Where did angels come from? When were they created? Or have they always been around? Or are they gods? Have they lived forever? And so we're going to try to look at some scriptures that talk about where did angels come from? Yes, Sean. Uh, I think. I'm glad you think. That's good. I think you had to made the qualification to be an angel, and I can have, like, an argument, you know, me qualification uh-huh. to yeah. be a certain level of, of, of importance, you know. So in heaven, you have to meet the qualification. Okay, yeah, and that's one of the things we'll talk about, Sean, as we get into our study is a lot of people believe that when we die, that there may be a, a chance that, uh, that, we, that we serve as angels in heaven, right? And so what you're saying is you believe that if people meet certain qualifications, maybe they can serve as an angel. We'll, we're going to explore that theory and see if that holds up against the scriptures or not. So thank you for bringing that up. A good point, and we'll see if it's biblical or not, okay? We'll check it out against the scriptures, all right? Very good. Anybody else? Any other thoughts or comments? Y'all are thinking deeply about angels. All right. Would you want to know about angels, but we're afraid to ask? All right. I know Rose is going to have something to say tonight. She always has a comment, right? Okay. Let's go to... Um, back up a page here. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, and we're going to start in verse 8. Okay, this is uh, one of the reasons I, I went to Luke is... Luke, being a medical doctor, seems to show a real interest in anything miraculous um, and out of the ordinary, uh, things that would be considered miraculous events. So he talks quite a bit about miracles, and in this case, he goes into detail on the angels. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, what do you think that means? Number one, how many angels appeared? One angel. And then it says, the glory of the Lord shone around them. What do you, th- what do you think that's describing? Anybody have any idea? A bright, shining light. Do you think it came from the angel, or do you think there was more light than just the angel? Yeah, we we don't know. We just we 
I just don't know. There's so many. I wish I could be there. I wish I could have observed that. I wish I could have been a shepherd in the field and seen what was happening. But we know this. We know that they were scared, right? Whoa! You know, you don't see this every every night. Uh, an angel appears. Maybe, maybe the whole horizon just lit up like daylight. I don't know. So let's see what else happens. The angel, this is always funny, right after the angel shows up and like, boom, has laser light shining everywhere and it's super bright, he goes, don't be afraid, you know, like they're terrified. Now you're telling me, don't be afraid. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For under you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And so there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So it went from one angel to the appearance of how many? What do you think? A bunch. A whole, yeah, bunches and bunches. I don't know how many a multitude is. Uh, and the Bible um, talks about myriads and hundreds of thousands of angels. I don't know how many angels God created. We're not really given a hard number. But you think about the heavenly host and how many appeared on this particular night. And did they sing? We don't know. We know they said together, um, glory to God in the highest. I don't, they probably just said that in unison. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, uh, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. So basically, um, they went and paid tribute to, to the little baby. Mary treasured these things up, pondering them in her heart. Why do you think God wanted angels present at the birth of Christ? Why was that important? Okay, we know it was a, a miraculous event. Sounds good. I like that. Anybody else? Oh, we got our hand waver back there. Yes, sir. I think it's because it wasn't a birth just of a, reg- a normal child. Right. It, it was the advent, the appearing of the Messiah. And you may recall that in, in the New Testament, there's a reference about the great mystery of the gospel and when the Messiah will appear. And in, in the passage, and I'm sorry I can't quote that to you, but maybe we can have somebody find it. But it says, these things which angels long to look, right? It had not been revealed to angels the exact time and nature by which the Messiah would come. And now, see, this is really neat. Now they know this is the big moment. This is when God reveals his son, the Messiah, to a lost world. And another thing that I think is going to be important as we learn about angels, angels have a very active role in the salvation of mankind. They also rejoice when they see salvation happening or occurring to God's people, right? 
When someone goes from a lost state to a saved state, Jesus said that even the angels in heaven rejoice when someone becomes a child of God. When a sinner repents and turns away, that these angels rejoice. So they're active and involved in the salvation of mankind. They rejoiced and said, this is really good news to the shepherds when he appeared. First Peter one twenty. thank you. You want to read that? 112, you want to read that? Hang on a second. Let's get the microphone down there. You're getting a good workout tonight, aren't you? Thank you so much. All right, microphone's coming. First Peter one twelve. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that they now been told that they have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Okay, so it had not been revealed to the angels, the the specifics of the fulfillment of Messiah, but yet the prophets who were carried along by the Holy Spirit wrote these things, right? Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they, that is God's prophets, uh, servants, were serving not themselves but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. So he was sent from heaven And all of these things, this great mystery of the gospel and its fulfillment through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, God in the flesh, now they understood. God is sending his son. You know, if you think about it, it's amazing because the angels had spent an eternity praising the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When they were created, they began to praise. They praised Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, and now they're praising Jesus. They're like, can you believe this? He's actually come as a little child. God chose to send him as a little child, born of flesh, born of woman. And so they rejoiced because they knew that he would be the savior of mankind. Fascinating. Any other thoughts or comments? Thank you, Jude. Yes, sir, Stacy. Hang on a second. Let's get the microphone over. You asked why... um why, why would God reveal it? Uh, why would he send angels to the shepherds? Yes. Um, the pattern that I see is that uh, when God sends himself, messengers, angels, whatever, um, uh, he, there, there's, always, there's always a uh, a measure of faith. In other words, he doesn't send... He doesn't send to those who will not accept him. And for those that don't, like Zechariah, who didn't believe, um, there was an instant punishment. There, there's, a, there's a requirement and a, a, an expectation and a demand that you don't question the Lord Almighty. Right. And, and or so, his designated representatives. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, perhaps uh, the angels were sent to the shepherds because they were to be the ones that would believe. Yeah. Whereas others would not. They would think, I've, I'm, 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 I'm crazy, or I saw, a, uh, I've seen, a, I had a bad dream, or I, I don't know, but I, they wouldn't be willing to accept the notion, but maybe the shepherds, because that, it, it, God tends to choose those that are unlikely in our eyes. Mm-hmm but are fit for his kingdom in his eyes. 
not the super educated, not the politically powerful, not right. not the elite of society, but yet the humble fishermen and yeah. the shepherds are the ones to whom Messiah revealed himself first. Isn't that you, interesting? Those who should have accepted and rejected him. Amen. And it was those to whom no one else wanted to accept it, accepted him. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs mm-hmm. is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Shepherd, good point. Yeah, great point. But I, I just... Imagine the angels talking among themselves like, ah, this is it. This is it. Finally, we can see the Messiah is revealed now uh, and, and will offer salvation to men. So they rejoiced, and, and they wanted the angels to get excited. So another quick angelic visitation. I don't want to take up too much time, but if you'll turn to Acts chapter 5, we know that, um, well, it says here that the Sadducees, they were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles put them in public prison. Uh, Verse 19 of Acts 5 says, But during the night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple, speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So it's a funny story because um, we know the, the magistrate, the person in charge, they went uh, they called together the council. I'm, I'm assuming this was the Sanhedrin. Uh, all the senate of the people of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought. The officers came. They did not find them in prison. They returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked, the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now, I'd, I've just got a question. How could apostles walk out of a prison and the door clanks, it opens, the guards are still standing there not realizing the apostles are gone. Isn't that amazing? You ever thought about that? They're still, they stood there all night guarding an empty cell. Hmm. You have a comment? Glenn, down here. Uh, a similar occurrence happened. Thank you. A similar occurrence happened mm-hmm. with Jesus when he went to Nazareth. And he preached to them, and they were ready to throw him off the cliff. And yes. So he, just, he just turned around and walked away from them all. He just, uh, either they were in a stupor or a daze or their eyes were, you know, uh, blinded. Uh, how he did it really is not important. The fact that reality of he could do it, yes. and he did do it. He did do it. And, you know, even I think about Paul where he was stoned and left for dead, and he got up and walked away. I think Paul was deader than a doornail, my personal self. I tend to agree, yeah. I do too. And But yet, th- we try to quantify so many of these miracles and set limitations on them or borders. There are no borders in the spiritual kingdom of God. Right. And his angels, you know, we keep talking about, well, did they appear like men? Yeah. Uh, did they appear like a whirlwind? Yeah. They, they, they appeared like so many things, anything they want to do. When you've got the whole realm of creation at your fingertips, you can do it any way you want to do it. And God is over it all, so it's done the way he wants it done. Yeah, and you know what's exciting to me as I read these miraculous accounts and angels being involved is uh, I personally feel that the nature of God and the power of God remains unchanged. And, And even today... Is it wrong for us to pray, Lord, intervene? Lord, I want you to, uh, I'm, I'm helpless in this situation. I'm, I'm coming to your throne and saying, 
the power is not in me. The, uh, I, I don't have the intelligence or the ability to figure out how this is going to work. But I, Lord, put my trust in you. And I know that you are the great redeemer and the deliverer, and you have the power to accomplish whatever you want. I personally believe that when we today pray those prayers, I think God sits up and is like, wow, did you hear that? There's, a, there's one of my children asking for us to intervene. Angels, go. And, and, and so I'm not suggesting that we have the ability to effect miracles, but I certainly know someone who does. And that is my Lord. And so it should be exciting. It should empower us. It should be challenging to us when we hit those walls in our life. Like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do, Lord. But you do. I'm turning this over to you for your intervention, your divine guidance, for your providential um, affecting of events, Right? Is that, is that reasonable to, to say those things in our life today? What do you think? Am I out on a limb? Am I, am I? Yes, sir. I know uh, of problems that I run into, and I don't always have the right answer. I think I do. Mm-hmm. I think I know what to do to solve the problem. Yes. But a lot of times I'm wrong. But if you talk to God about it, he knows the right answer. Mm-hmm. There's a ways it seems right into man, but right. in the end it leads to death. So right. it's good to talk to him about it because he, he has the right answer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, no questions. I just think, I, I think it's encouraging and comforting to us to say those kind of prayers and say, Lord, I don't have the answer, I don't have the power, I don't have the ability, and I don't have the intelligence. But I'm your faithful servant, and I know you can do all things. Yeah, amen. Pray, yeah, pray without ceasing. Yeah, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so I, I, I just think this is a wonderful example of God seeing his apostles um, in a situation where they needed to be released. He sent an angel and it was done. How it was done, we don't know. We don't know the specifics and details, but we know a miracle was involved. And uh, so the next morning, where did they go? They went out and preached. The, uh, the Sanhedrin officials went to retrieve them out of jail. Guards, get these apostles. Sir, they're not here. Say, what? You mean you're opening up a locked door? You've been there all night and they're not there? Yes, sir, that's what I'm saying. Well, where are they? They're, they're out preaching right now. Hmm. <laughs> Yes, sir. But the majority of them, if not by actually stating it, is by inference, is he would pray his heart out as the Son of God, but then he also prayed his heart out as being a part of God. And when Jesus could do that, being part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit, and Jesus... If he can say, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. You know, he closed so many of his prayers that way. And even when he dealt with Satan, he said, it's written, you know. And he was always asking God's strength in anything and everything he did to to the point when he was hanging on the cross, Mm. you know. And I find that very comforting that even though Jesus, the flesh and blood man, 
had all the, if anybody deserved to be confident in God, it's his son. Yes. And yet he, he subject, subject himself to that humbleness of, Father, I, I just want to do what you want me to do. I don't want to do it in some cases, but I will do it. And, boy, if we can say that to God, we've come a long way from our spiritual life to where we're at now. Yes. Amen. Amen. And it's interesting, too, that the, the text says in the New Testament that Jesus, when he came, was placed a little lower than the angels. You see, angels are basically a more powerful, uh, I'm going to call them a supernatural race uh, of, of beings. Uh, actually, race is probably not a good word. We'll talk about that later. But they're a created entity, a being that's very powerful. Uh, they are a spirit being who can, on occasions, take a fleshly form, right? Uh, what appears to be a body, but they're not bound by time. They're not bound by space. Uh, they can travel into the interstellar areas, um, unseen, only where God resides. They can, they can walk on earth. They're powerful. They're amazing. When you go back and look at what one angel, just one angel in the Old Testament accomplished uh, by God's instruction, and then it says that Jesus, when he came, was placed a little lower than the angels. He, sub- he submitted himself through humility and became flesh, but yet at the same time was God. It was amazing. So, all right, any other thoughts, ideas, or comments? Appreciate our discussion tonight. All right, let's quickly go over to uh, Acts 12. We've got another prison break. Acts 12. Now, James, in verse 2, has just been killed, the brother John, with a sword. So I want you to kind of understand in context, Peter has now been imprisoned. He arrested Peter also. Uh, when he seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. In other words, it's implied Peter's days are numbered. He probably is going to end up like uh, James, the brother of John. All right. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out, that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. And sentries before the door were guarding the prison. So there is no way Peter can escape. He's, he's between two soldiers. He's got two chains on him. Sentries are in front of the door. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the sail. He struck Peter on the side. Wake up, wake up. Uh, saying, get up quickly. The chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, dress yourself, put on your sandals. He did so, and he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. He went out and followed him. He did not know that was being done by the angel was real. He thought he was seeing a vision. So I guess he thought he was having a dream. He was sort of in a dreamlike stupor, you know, do this, Peter. Okay, and, you know, Peter's not really cognizant of what's happening, but the angel's giving him instructions. Uh, They passed the first and second guard. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street. Peter came to himself. He kind of woke up. He said, wow, this is not a dream. I'm out of prison. All right. He said, the angel rescued me from the hand of Herod 
and from all the Jewish people um, the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, uh, whose other name was Mark. There were people gathered there, many, and he knocked at the door, a servant girl named Rhoda. She recognized Peter's voice in her, in her joy. She did not open the gate. She ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. She kept insisting, and it was so. They kept saying, it is his angel. It is his angel. So, is it safe to assume that even back in the times of the first century church, there was a lot of people who believed that when good people die, they become angels? What do you think? I think so, because that's what's stated right here. And it's ironic. They're praying for his release. Here he is knocking at the gate, the outer gate. The young lady, Rhoda, comes in and says, he's... He's outside. He's outside. He's knocking. Oh, no, that's, that's not Peter. It must be his angel. He's already been killed, and now he's visiting you in, in an angelic form. So Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed, motioning to him with his hand to be silent. He described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and he said, Tell these things to James and to the brothers, and then he departed and went to another place. So basically, the next morning, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. Herod searched for him and did not find him. He examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. And then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. Very interesting. All right, thoughts or comments about that event? What can we learn from that? Same thing. When we're in a situation where there's no hope, God can again deliver Miraculously. Yeah, Glenn. Try to connect the dots and fill in the blanks when things happen like this that we can't explain. You know, our minds are trying to reconcile something that's not normal and that mm. something's way beyond our understanding. Yes. And our capacity to even absorb it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is a good story of that. Oh, you I know, love it. They yeah. they were giving Rhoda a hard time. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. That mm-hmm. can't be Peter out there. Right. Maybe it's an angel. Maybe it's a who, I don't know, you know. And uh, we do this all the time in our everyday life. Sometimes when things happen around us, we can't explain ourselves. We look for another explanation outside of our own realm. And sometimes there's no explanation except God. And that's yeah. all there is to it. You know, if I was Rhoda, the young lady, the servant girl, I might have become just a little bit indignant and say, uh, excuse me, what have you guys been doing the last hour? What have you been praying for? His release? Yes, his release? That's him. He's outside. I'm trying to tell you. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's his angel. He's already dead. You know, it, it's like, Ugh. Anyway, he revealed himself. It's a great story. I love it. And, and it just serves as a great example for us today that when, when we face situations where there's basically no way out, impossible odds, God has a way. God will make a way. He will make the impossible possible. And, and I think that is not a lesson to be missed in our lives. When we rely on God, when we trust God, when we, when we really put it out there on the line and we give 100% to the Lord and say, Lord... I can't do this, but with you, I can. 
God can make these things happen. So it, it's a test of our faith. Have we really, really stepped out on faith and asked God to bless us, to do the things that we can do ourselves? All right, we've got just a little bit of time, so I want to at least begin to talk about, and we'll, and we'll continue this after our gospel meeting next week, but I want to talk about the origin of angels, the origin of angels. So let me just stop and ask everybody tonight, where did they come from? How long have they been around? What do you think? Created, okay, they're created beings, all right. When were they created? <laughs> Good answer. That's right. He would have told us specifically. We, we can begin to, to deduct through biblical stories and examples in the Old Testament of probably when they were around, but we're going to let the Scriptures sort of fill in the blanks, connect the dots, and then we can draw some conclusions on when angels may have been created. Sorry. Before, yeah, before Genesis. Uh, I think that's probably a, a pretty safe assumption. Uh, let's turn to Job 38. Job 38. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. Now, Job, rightly so, is a rather, um, he, he's at his wit's end. He's, he's grown impatient, indignant. Uh, he, let's just say he's angry. God, I want answers. Why is this happening to me? I've been righteous. I don't know that I deserve this. I just want my day with you. I want, I want answers, Lord. And, and so it's interesting because God, when he finally answers Job in 38, he says in verse 1, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Job, I got some questions for you, and before I tell you anything, I want you to answer some of these questions, right? So in verse 4, uh, the Lord says, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. This is when I created the physical earth. Who stretched the line upon it? Or what were it, on what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? Verse 7. Now, in the process of creation, he says in verse 7, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So Genesis, apparently, in the beginning of all this formation of the earth as we know it, there were at least angels present then who were shouting for joy at the creation of the earth, right? So we know they were created prior to the earth, and prior to mankind, right? Don't know how long. Brother Gene pointed out God didn't want us to know. He didn't tell us, didn't give us a specific timeline. But we know that they were present to rejoice at the time of creation. 
you know. I imagine the angels are like, wow, look at that. The oceans, animal life. Yes, sir, Will? I have a question, and I know it probably can't be answered tonight. Okay. Well, we'll all pray about it and think about it. <laughs> okay. It gives something to ponder. Um, so when it says the sons of God, in the Old Testament, it seems like when it says sons of God, it means angels. Uh, it certainly seems that way in the book of Job, especially at the beginning. But it's also used in Genesis chapter 6. Yes. And... I have gone back and forth in my mind on whether those sons of God it mentions are angels or men. Right. And I don't really know which way to think. That's a, that's a great question, and I know Linda is here tonight. Linda had asked that question originally when our study started, so we'll probably dedicate um, part or all of one of our lessons to this idea, question about what does that mean in Genesis when it says the sons of God came and and you know they gave their their daughters to the to the sons of men and and what does that mean is that could that possibly be the origin of the nephilim or a super race or you know could could angels who maybe who were cast down begin to intermarry with beautiful women on earth these are all very um, compelling questions and i think we can find some biblical answers for those but rather than jump into that tonight we'll that's a good question, and if you can kind of hold on to that for um, a couple of weeks, we're going to get into that very question and, and deal with it. So, does that sound good, Linda? We're going to answer that question, Will, and, and get into what that, what that means. I think that's a good one to pre-study for everybody. Yeah. It's fascinating, and if, if we all avail ourselves of the, the extra time we now have, this is one you really need to pre-study, mm-hmm. because it, there's some things that... I read and learned researching that uh, just honestly blew my mind. So you're going to come teach that night for no, me, I'm right? No, I'm not. You're, nope. going to t- you're going to keep right on teaching. <laughs> but I will tell you this. There's some forensic evidence as well as biblical evidence of this. Mm-hmm. It's just not something, some legend or some myth. The archaeologists, and, and just look it up for yourself. It's fascinating study. And it'll be fun to study it together. Absolutely, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I might suggest that uh, if, if members want to contact you or call you or text you, you might have a, a link or something you could share from previous studies or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it's like, it's like, discussions on the book of revelation it can get really out there and and you have to kind of bring yourself back into reality and stay stay grounded in the scriptures stay with what we do know i tend to speculate a lot because i tend to have a a very vivid imagination so i have to rein myself in and say you know what i can speculate all day long but it really doesn't matter if god wanted us to know god would tell us he told us the things that we needed to know in order to be saved and to know how to to please him. So maybe he just doesn't necessarily want me to know these, these answers. So, you know, Will, we're going to answer that question to the best of our ability, but it may not give us a complete understanding. And, and in some cases, we just have to say honestly, maybe it's a divided camp in this area. There may be some people who, who lean toward one interpretation, others that lean toward another, but, but we'll study the scriptures and, and pray about it. Yes, sir. 
Mm -hmm. I know that's said someplace along the line in our country, but th that's a very solid premise to operate our spiritual lives with, too. Mm -hmm. You know, trust the Lord, but verify what you read, whether it's God's Word or research. Dig deeper than just the surface. Uh, you know, they say people that won't go below the surface are very shallow people. Uh, that's a pun, but it's true. And so if you want to learn the, the quick, uh, the um, what is that you used to call them, cliff notes in college? Mm -hmm. If you want the cliff notes of the Bible, they're out there for you. But we don't want those in this case. We, we want to dig, dig into the, the meat. truth yeah, yeah. And, and, and verify them. Right. Very good. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 9, if you want to turn there very quickly, we'll see that Israel was in a, in a time where they're confessing their sin, they're fasting, they're in sackcloth. Um, and uh, apparently it says they had, they had earth on their heads. That means they threw up dust into the air. That was part of, part of uh, the, the uh, repenting. They separated themselves from all foreigners. They stood and confessed their sins and their iniquities of their fathers. They stood up in their place and read from the book of the law. So basically, um, if you drop down to verse 6 of this penitence, they, um, the, the Levites, Jeshua, and mentioned several biblical names, said, Stand up. These are, these are uh, leaders uh, of the Levites. They said, stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Then, then they kind of get into this praise mode where, where the Levites are reminding the people of God's glory and goodness. You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all their host. The earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. So verse 6 sort of leads us to believe that um, the heavenly host is certainly a created being. Uh, some people mistakenly think that angels were maybe like God and have always existed. That's not the case. They are, and I think you pointed that out, Dennis, they are created beings under the authority of God. And another thing that's interesting, and I know Stacy and I have talked about this quite a bit, is the angels, as a created being, choose to be obedient and love God, but unfortunately there were some who were rebellious. They chose to rebel against God. So we'll be talking about that a little bit later in our um, in our study on angels. So all their starry host refers to angelic or heavenly beings. Uh, they are created beings. And it's interesting because if you look at the phrase morning star, uh, it's sort of synonymous with angels or angelic beings used for angel in the Bible. And then it mentions the multitudes. How many is in a multitude? A bunch, a lots of angels in heaven, a lot of something. All right. So uh, we'll stop there. We're out of time, but uh, we'll continue in this idea of the origin of angels. And then uh, you might also, might also want to study ahead in Genesis, uh, I believe, is that 6, Glenn, where it talks about the, the, the um, men that procreated? 
chapter 6, 1 through 3. Yeah, if y'all want to study a little bit ahead and start doing some research and maybe even go to a biblical um, commentary, Genesis 6, 1 through 3, if we'll, we'll start studying that together. All right, thank you again for your comments. I hope you enjoyed the class tonight. And um, so we'll continue um, in the origin of angels, and we're also going to talk about what do angels do? What is their job description? Tonight, we offer an invitation, and who's got our song tonight? Okay, Wes. And do we have somebody to lead prayer, by the way? Okay, all right. Um, We offer an invitation each time we gather. There may be somebody who's struggling, who needs prayer. And so as we sing this invitation song, there's a fountain free. We want you to think about your spiritual walk, where you are, how you are doing in your relationship with the Lord. I appreciate each and every one of you making a choice to be here tonight for midweek Bible study. It's such an important uh, and cherished part of my life because we really get into the meat and can talk about God's Word. So if you need prayer, if you need to be encouraged, if you need to confess sin, or you just need um, something in, in particular that we could pray for, we would be honored to lift this up before the Lord. And we invite you to come and make that need known as we stand and sing number 576. There's a fountain free. There's a fountain free, tis for you and me. Let us haste, oh haste to its spring. Tis a fountain love from the source of the pits us all freely drink. Will you come to the Oh. 
give an update quickly on those who are on our prayer list, in particular Beverly King. Um, We understand Beverly did not receive good news from the hospital. She'll be sent home soon, so just keep that family in mind. She's got some very serious heart issues going on, so uh, if you can write her a card or make a phone call and encourage her, I'm sure she would appreciate that right now. Bill Young, I just got a note from BJ. She said that he is still at Vanderbilt University Uh, He is in a room, and they're hoping to get him transferred back to rehab. About a week ago, approximately, uh, he was at Stallworth doing doing rehab and unfortunately passed out. So they weren't sure if it was a brain bleed or or blood pressure, but now the doctors have decided he's again a good candidate for rehab. So insurance is trying to get him back into Stallworth. Gentry and I are going to try to go see Bill again tomorrow. So we'll let you know what we find. So just keep Bill and Beverly in prayer. So whoever's going to be praying tonight, uh, be sure to remember those two. Bible Bowl practice uh, this Sunday at 4. Before I move on to other announcements, are there any other specific prayer requests that we need to mention tonight? Oh, okay, yeah, I, I have a note here about Abigail. Uh, Abigail landed in Miami. She had been stuck um, there in South America She should be in Birmingham by midnight. Pray for the second half of the team. They're going to be leaving Ecuador tomorrow. Bobby and Amanda did drive to uh, Birmingham. They took a car down for Abigail. So we're thankful that she made it back into the States safely. And we want to remember the rest of the team as they leave Ecuador as well. Anyone? Yes, Glenn. Candy and Peter Bosworth, okay? Oh, no. Okay. All right. Thank you, Glenn. All right. Anyone else? Specific prayer? Yes. Tracy Anderson, Cedar Hill. Oh, my. Okay. Sister sister at Cedar Hill had serious surgery and a lot of her colon removed. Okay. Lori Sharon.
Hmm. Yeah. Scary. Okay. Thank you. All right. Anyone else? Yeah, I did want to skip over our our prayer request and, and those that we need to remember tonight in prayer. Remember that this coming Sunday morning for Bible class, we're going to combine all of the adult classes here in the auditorium. And the gospel meeting begins, Friends and Family Day. Uh, we will have the, the big feed, the fellowship meal following services. And then uh, we'll have uh, a meal Monday through Wednesday night at 6 p.m. The meat's provided, so we need sides, desserts. Y'all know the routine. Y'all know what to do. John Cantrell is going to be coming from South Harpeth. I'd spoke to John on the phone. Uh, he sounds very excited and ready to bring us some uplifting lessons. So we're excited. I hope you'll bring some friends. I hope that you will physically come yourself, that we will be well attended each night, and join us for the meal if you can. And uh, we do have some flyers if you want to give those out. I've noticed some people are already putting those on Facebook or making copies and sending them around. Trenton Crossing is going to end their summer uh, series with Walt Lever. That's Wednesday, August 31st at 6.30. Ladies are invited to a wedding shower for Story and Jose Rosales, uh, Sunday, September 11 at 2 p.m. That's the Fellowship Hall. They're registered at Target. Lawwood Christian Camp is having a fall retreat, grades 7 through 12. That's September 16 through 18. The theme is uh, learning lessons through liquids. They're life-applicable lessons taught through the fluids that appear often in the Bible. It will be directed by Noah Eastland and Dale Murray. Sounds like it's going to be a good science lesson. That'll be good. It's biblical science, right? If you have any questions, see Noah or Dale, and you can register online at lawwood.org forward slash applications. Remember our men's retreat. We're excited. We hope that you'll plan to come to that October 14 through 15, Kentucky Dam Village. We do have a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and you can bring guests if you want. Um, there's a charge per person. How much is that? $60 per room, okay. Okay, splitting the cost. All right, so we need uh, a head count and a commitment by September 11 if you plan to come, and we are reserving rooms. So men's prayer breakfast is coming up, say the date, September 17 at 8 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall. We'll remember that. What's our count tonight? Seven. One, seven, one. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. All right, well, let's have our closing prayer. Appreciate everyone being here, and God bless you as you go home, and, and I hope you were edified by our um, class tonight, and um, we'll see you Sunday morning. Let's bow our head. Father in heaven, we thank you for the day you've given us. We thank you for the time we have to come together in the middle of the week, be able to recharge our batteries, mm-hmm. be able to go back out into this world. Father, knowing that uh, we are yours, and we pray that everybody around us will be able to see that. Father, we have a lot on our minds every day, but most of all, Father, we always seem to have our families and friends on our minds, and all we have to do is pray, because you tell us to. So, Father, we ask that we be with Miss Beverly in her heart condition. Father, we pray that that will that will heal, and she will be able to get back to some some sort of normal life. Father, pray for the Bosworth family. It seems like they're having a hard time with a 
multiple issues, Father, we pray that they look to you for the comfort and the guidance they need and the wisdom they need to be able to get back to a normal walk. Father, that's what we pray for every day is just a normal life. A lot of people right now are having a hard time with that. Uh, pray with the McKay family as they're bringing a baby into this world. We pray that uh, everything will go well and have a happy, healthy life there. Pray for Brother Bill Young, and he's in rehab. Father, we pray that uh, he will be able to overcome his physical ailments. Father, we know that the human brain can rewrite circuits and be able to regain control of things that the doctors say that you can't. Well, Father, we know that through past experiences, nothing is impossible through you. I pray for Miss Anderson. She's healing from colon surgery. I pray that she will have a have a quick recovery and be able to heal properly and go about her way. Father, we're so thankful for Abigail and her family that are in her group or half of her group. Father, that's got back stateside. Father, we pray for the remaining ones that are still waiting to come out of Ecuador. That we pray that they will be able to come home, be reunited with their family. Father, we also pray for our upcoming gospel meeting, that we will be able to reach out to those around about us and make make known your, your name around the, the community and as far out as we can possibly reach, Father. We pray for the students and for the teachers and everyone involved, that it will be a success. Father, we always, always have to pray and thank you for the the sacrifice that you give us for your son. No matter how many times we pray, Father, we, and thank you, it will, it will never, be a, never be enough mm -hmm. of the amount of love that you showed through us through him. Mm -hmm. And it's through his name we pray. Amen.